This is Irish Illustrated Insider brought to you by Anderson, Augustino, and Keller, Attorneys at Law, with offices in South Bend, Indiana, serving the local community's legal needs with a diverse and innovative group of lawyers. Let their team be your edge on legal matters. Contact the lawyers at Anderson, Augustino, and Keller at 574-288-1510 or visit their webpage at aaklaw.com. Welcome to the next Irish Illustrated Insider Podcast. Pete Sampson, Tim Priester, Tim O'Malley. Looking ahead to NC State this weekend, it's, uh, you know, O'Malley, I think you had a really good question to Julian Love yesterday because we spent a lot of time Monday talking about the human nature element, letdown element of this game, and Julian Love was sort of like, yeah, yeah, I could see that. So I asked Julian Love, he was going to be honest, he said, yeah, you know, we just beat our rival. There is a letdown. It's an automatic letdown. There's no way of avoiding it. And then he mentioned... We met with Coach Elko, and we saw that we are playing against the best offense we've faced so far this season. So we're not let down anymore. They're ready to go. I mean, I think they'll be ready to go, but he admitted what I think people are trying to avoid. They, it doesn't matter that they killed USC. They still, there was still emotion spent all week preparing for that game, and there's an exhale when you win like that. And I think, Pete, you've been pointing out a lot that it's also everyone finally telling you how great you are because you now have crossed the threshold of they've beaten a team that people weren't sure they would be able to handle. Yeah, I mean, Nick Saban calls that rat poison. Everyone else is like, thanks. So I ignore him in the, thanks, that, that feels good group. We talked on Monday about how, you know, well, I mean, it was kind of easy for Notre Dame beating USC, so maybe that, you know, maybe um, helps, they'll be able though. to gear, gear back up. Yeah, I mean, I think it does. But I, I think by the time, when we get to game time on Saturday at 3.30, I think Mike Elko will have convinced the defense what they're in for. And, um, you know, offensively, I don't think there's a, I don't think NC State lacks any credit when it comes, um, you know, given to their defense with, with Bradley Chubb. I keep wanting to say Nick Chubb. Uh, Bradley Chubb is, is a flat out outstanding player. And I, I, I mentioned it in my Thursday thoughts. I kind of laughed when I thought about a few weeks ago when we were talking about Harold Landry in, in a similar fashion. And then we watched Harold Landry take, playoff after play and wasn't on the field a large majority of the time. Bradley Chubb is the real deal. 6'4", 275. Uh, Pete, your NC State insider mentioned top five pick. I believe that. This guy is nonstop. And not only is he a great pass rusher, but he's a quality run defender as well. And he is nonstop. There is no play on the field that he will give up on. Harold Landry was given up all, you know, all day against Notre Dame. I mean, somebody was at, on Twitter was asking me, like, okay, what's he like? Is this guy the real? I'm like, yeah, he's a freaking specimen. And then I watched some highlights of him from last year. And the way he's put together and moves, it, it reminded me a little bit of sophomore year Stefan Tuitt. Um, he's just that thick. Um, like, he's got, like, a, a country strong aspect to him. But and I think he but he's more athletic than Tuitt. Oh, yeah, yeah he's, he's more athletic than that. But just in terms of, like, once he gets moving, it's there's yeah. you just can't square him up, even though he's huge, which is a really difficult uh, combination. And they've got you know, I mean, they're stout in the middle of their D line. They got a couple of three hundred and fifteen pounders there, which is why I think you know you got to get those big boys in the middle on the move, uh, kind of like the Notre Dame did last week against USC. Only you know a great disparity between defensive lines and their defensive ends, Contavious Street. Um, you know, as well as Darian Roseboro, who comes off the bench. I mean, those are three really good 
defensive lineman. I love Arius Moore, their their linebacker. Loved him last year and the way he plays. I do think that there is some vulnerability on the back end. But don't be confused by passing yardage numbers because the reason the numbers are so great against NC State is because teams can't run, so they have no choice but to put it up more. It's a great matchup because it's not just Chubb. It's the front four, they're all getting drafted for sure, and you might have three first and second day draft picks in that front four. They have over 100 combined starts, so they're developed players, they're men, to borrow from Mike Bray. They are... In t- they're, they play team defense, too. It's not just guys running all over the place. And there was a couple questions on the board, and Tim, you asked uh, McGlinchey about it. How much are they going to move Chubb around? And he's the boundary defensive end, right. basically. So unless they come up, came up with something a little different right. for Notre Dame because of... How do you want to look at it, though? Do you want him on the boundary matched up against McGlinchey? So you, you, know? you can stalemate that if you're either side, or do you want him trying to beat... Uh, Robert Hainsey and Tommy Kramer on the other side, in which case, McGlinchey, you can run left. You know, you can run left yeah. if they scheme it the other I way. I think he'll be on the boundary like he normally is. I, I think he will, too. I don't I don't like that matchup against Kramer. And, and maybe Hainsey, because Hainsey's a little bit better in, in, in pass pro. But let me get back to the secondary here real quick. I look, when, you know, when I responded to that question, it's like, okay, well, how many passes has NC State faced? Well, they're like in the top 10 of most passes faced. So is Notre Dame. Uh, the difference is Notre Dame's giving up 52 yards less through the air than NC State. So there is some there is some uh, push there on the back end of the NC State uh, defense. But you've got Notre Dame's offensive line has to deal with that for defensive front first. It's, it's, I think Pete mentioned a week ago this you'd pay just to watch that. I would just, pay, just McGlinchey and Chubb. McGlinchey and Chubb, their yeah. front four. Quentin Nelson is it's his best matchup of the year. But look, this is by far the best offensive line NC State has faced. Not even close. So if you're looking at it from their point of view and we're worried about Chubb and all their athletes, they have to be worried about yeah, this too. I watched, because... I, I watched the whole NC State-Louisville game, and I, you, know, you keep watching and you see the inroads that NC State's making offensively, but you know that Louisville's defense is just not good, so it's hard to make a comparison. But um, we talked about this before we got on the air. Just because NC State hasn't faced a bunch of good running games doesn't mean that they can't stop Notre Dame's. That's not the point. However, South Carolina, number 119, Pitt, number 89, Florida State, number 86, Marshall, number 80, Syracuse, number 69. They've played a bunch of bad running games. Um, and they've done exactly, like Notre Dame's defense, they've done exactly what they should do against poor opponents. They're holding opponents to 3.0 yards per carry and 91 yards per game. But you guys are right. We, I, I would I would pay to watch this matchup. I don't have to, so I'm going to thoroughly enjoy <laughs> you it. You should just donate something when you walk up there. I, I will. Something. I'll buy you a cherry Coke. Yeah, How about great. that? Yes. I, okay, here's, let's just... Put this in perspective for a minute. I think if, if you total up Notre Dame's top three defensive ends in tackles for loss and sacks, I think I'm basically at about, I think, five total sacks and about ten tackles for loss. Hayes, Hayes, and Trombetti. Throw in a quarter. Kareem. Got a couple in there. Probably throw them all in there. Okay. Well, yeah, there's a few go, more in there. Go, go crazy. Yeah. Let's, let's just say they have 15 tackles for loss and eight sacks. If you did Chubb. Roseboro. Chubb has that much on himself. Combined, this is NC State's top three defensive ends for their career. 86 tackles for loss and 42 sacks. So it's, they're freaking good. Uh, And it's it's not just going to be 
McGlinchey and Chubb, even though I again I would pay to watch. So I think it's like Fuller, Dory Jackson in terms yeah. of how intrigued I am by that. Hainsey and Kramer, how do they protect them? Can they take street one on one? Um, I think Durham Smythe's going to spend a lot of time attached yeah. to their hips. Yeah, it's uh, does that change how you approach the passing game? Do they build off what they did last week, where they had guys moving around? Um, you know, with Stefferson or Claypool jetting through the backfield, do they play more two back? I don't really know, but um, if it's it, it will be like Georgia if Notre Dame does not win on first down more. Um, they got slaughtered on first down against Georgia, and they end up in third and long, and it was a disaster. It will be a similar disaster if they're in third and long against NC State. But it, they don't need to have first and second down be as bad as it was, because NC State's defense overall is not nearly that good. And Notre Dame knows who it is. I think, yes. I'm pretty sure you brought this up. That they're not that game plan does not exist anymore for Notre Dame. The 43 drop-back passes, in which case you throw a 20 incomplete, fumble, and get sacked on a couple more. That... that that will not happen again, so they can avoid that. Yes. But it doesn't mean you have automatic success on first down. Against USC, when they took control of the game, Notre Dame was averaging 16 yards per play on first down. Ridiculous. So they, now, they average more than six for the season. That includes Georgia, and that was pre-USC. So they're going to be in the high sixes. If they could average four yards per carry, or four yards on first down this game, that helps because it keeps you in manageable situations, and you can run, you can so easily run on second and seven and second and six. If you're Notre Dame's yeah. offensive line, but yeah. it's when you run on second and ten, there's a little bit of pressure, and if yeah. you're not successful there, then then it kind of devolves. But look, every time we talk about NC State's defense, you got to remember you're dealing with one of the best offenses in the country too. It's oh for sure. It, it just I think we're we're trying to make our point to everyone that NC State's defense is way better than USC's defense. Fortunately for Notre Dame fans, they beat USC by 35 points, so there's some wiggle room there. I think their defense is better than Michigan State's defense as well. I just oh, think they have better yeah. players. Oh, yes. Michigan State yes. is rugged. Better than uh, defense starting two yeah. former walk-ons well, defensive end? They play, they're playing well, though. Michigan State oh, is yeah. playing very well it's a bad defense. Yeah, but this one's obviously more talented, but Michigan yeah. State is playing good team defense. I, one thing about NC State that's worth noting, if you're looking for a weakness, they're 118th nationally in 30-yard pass plays allowed. So they'll they'll give up deep shots if you take deep shots, and that actually is... And it plays I, in Notre Dame's strength. It's like... That's some yeah. It's a focus of Notre Dame's with Stefferson coming back. Um, I mean that the fifteen thirty yard pass plays around is second to last among all Power Five teams. Um, so that's that's something that you would think Notre Dame would try to exploit. They, I think they would try to hit that anyway. And I wrote yes. about this in my extra points last night. The last week's passing game in terms of percentage of passes of twenty yards or more was by far the highest. It was. Twice as high as any other game plan. You I endorse said, it. Uh, I endorse it. Yeah, you said don't do it. No, down the field. I always throw down the field. Oh, Never okay. throw medium or short. I, yeah. I can't watch another screen pass. Th- do you watch how long it takes no, to get a screen pass out? No, yeah. screen it's, passes yeah. are not in the game. It's all downfield. Against USC, 37% of the passes were 20 yards or more. Against Georgia, it was 10%. Just keep pushing the ball. And I think that's really one of the, the key developments. Is not just having Stefferson back. That's important. It's also Long and Wimbush getting a better feel for each other. I think that's what's happening now. And there's another thing I wrote about the whole like Colin Coward notion that Notre Dame is topped out. Wimbush is still developing, and then Stefferson is actually like yeah, I'm not a sure free that agent he, pickup. In I'm mid-season. not sure that he's aware that Kevin Stefferson is, is now in the yeah, right, is now yeah. in the. He doesn't even you know. know who I, he is. I do want to talk a little bit about 
I mean, a, a, a greater mystery or one that we not, we're not focusing on as much is NC State's offense yeah. against Notre Dame's defense, and they don't turn the football over. They lead the nation with the fewest number of turnovers, and it's three fumbles because Finley hasn't thrown an interception. And, and Tim, you and I were talking yesterday about – you know that that means that, and because they throw short a lot, a lot, a lot, yes. they, then they're going to have to put together twelve play, seventy five, eighty yard drives against Notre Dame. And just because they don't turn it over doesn't mean Notre Dame can't stop them from executing twelve play, eighty yard touchdown drives. I think Notre Dame's tackling has been so consistent this year on screen passes and on short plays. You know, we we still talk about Jalen Elliott seems to have a little bit of trouble when matched up against good athletes in space uh, on running plays at the second level, but. I love the way Drew Tranquil handles screen passes. That whole field side of Notre Dame's defense handles screen passes. This is where you want to throw a bubble. Mm-hmm. Julian Love, Drew Tranquil, and Sean Crawford are usually the guys over yeah. there. Put it in some combination. They handle that expertly well. So that is not a strength NC State has that I think they can exploit for Notre Dame. I think they do move Jalen Samuels, who's one of my favorite football players. He's like a bowling ball with knees out there. 41 career touchdowns. He'd be closing in on Notre Dame's all-time record. So, And it's a 23 rushing, 18 receiving. He is a real weapon. They will get him in some mismatches in space because he's a mismatch because he's too fast for linebackers and too strong he for is, safeties. Yeah, he's he's 230, but he, he is fast. Yeah, it's, he's a heck of a player, but I do like Notre Dame's tackling on the short passes and screens. Yeah. And I mean, they, no, they, they, I mean, they've got weapons. <laughs> They're, you know, um, Hines the running back, you know. I, I think obviously it's a key to contain him. But I like how he runs too for a track guy. He's kind of an angry, angry <laughs> man. He, he's got a little. He is, and their wideout Steph Lewis is impressive. Kelvin Harmon has been impressive. You know their offensive line. They got Will Richardson back after a two-game suspension to start the season, and he hasn't given up. Not only has he not given up a sack, he hasn't given up a quarterback pressure in like 350 snaps. So, I mean, you know, they're telling it all over the field. However, I still think that Notre Dame's defense is a good matchup for this offense. There are components to it that you've that you've got to be really careful about and be well prepared for, but you know Mike Elko will be. And I, what I want to see is a big hit on Ryan Finley early in the game. He's a guy that doesn't like contact. He's admitted he doesn't like to run, but he runs because he has to sometimes. I want to see a big shot on Ryan Finley and then see how he reacts after that. You know, one thing that I asked Brian Kelly about during the week is just sort of like Mike Elko's success or lack of it against NC State at Wake Forest. Which is a good question, and it's it's pertinent. Yeah, it's just like, it's, I don't know how relevant it is. It's interesting, but it's definitely pertinent. So it's it's a, it's a weird combination <laughs> of, like, applicableness. Yeah, um, you ask is what you're saying. Yeah, <laughs> no, I asked it. So, but three games, last three years, they allowed an average of 36.6 points per game. More than 200 yards rushing, or at least 200 yards rushing, all three times in four zero turnovers. I would think, like on paper, a Mike Elko defense would do really well against somebody like Jalen Samuels, because Drew Tranquil is sort of the fast safety linebacker type. But maybe that's not the case. I I, I don't well, know. Samuels is Samuels yeah. is faster than Tranquil. It just may it it just adds a level of intrigue to Saturday. Not that it needed more, but just like how Mike Elko's defense adjusts with better personnel, obviously, than what he had against Wake Forest, um, against NC State system, which their offensive line clearly is, I think, better than people thought when the year started. But the lack of quarterback pressures also has a lot to do with system. I think we'd agree with that. Yeah, like, yeah. They get the ball out fast. That's one of the reasons they rank 14th nationally with only eight sacks allowed. And, you know, they... 
I mean, not to get too statistical, but they average 4.6 yards per carry, which is pedestrian, and that's without a lot of sacks. Uh, Finley's only been sacked seven times, and there's an eighth one in there. Um, so that means that there's a lot of uh, stuffs, right? And Notre Dame's good. I mean, you would you would know about stuffs, right? Too? Yeah, and they had 19 against USC. That's for people listening for the first time. I include, you lump tackles for loss in with gains of zero, one, and two yards that don't pick up first downs. Obviously, pick up first down. It's not a stuff. Notre Dame had 19 against USC. Uh, 17, like when it mattered, which is pretty high number to yeah. against a team of USC's offensive caliber. Now, I, a couple things I think people will say. Well, USC has plenty of weapons, probably more weapons than NC State, but they don't run their offense properly. USC, <laughs> they does don't. Not they use do not their have weapons. More, they properly. do not have more weapons than NC State. They don't use them properly for Correct. sure. Correct. It's, I know Ronald Jones is great, but if you give him the ball seven times, it doesn't really matter that much. And Ryan Finley is playing at a high level, and they use his strengths expertly because they're not asking him to carry right. everything. Now Finley is, I think, two games away, basically. From breaking the NCAA record for most most attempts without an interception held by Russell Wilson. That's to put him, just instead of throwing a number out there of 315, right. he's going to break the NCAA record if either Notre Dame or Clemson doesn't pick him off, which both of them will, of course. Yeah. But uh, I like the way they run their offense, but I just think the matchup is good for. I don't I don't mind the matchup for Notre Dame's defense. I was more concerned last week with what USC could have provided but, than but, I am this week. But the motions, I agree. The the the, the constant motioning, which I, you want to, should we Where talk about that? This? Yeah, well, I want to talk about now is Morgan because I, first of all, I did a lot, I didn't do a very good job by asking questions yesterday, but um, yeah, I talked about well, how do you, how do you deal with emotions? And Niles says, well, you just motion with them. Well, you're not going to react to every motion, and they'll line up in the pistol and motion a guy behind the pistol behind the running back, and then do some things off of that. So that it's it's very intricate. Uh, and, you know, the other thing I tried to address with Niles Morgan was about the speed of Hines. And we always get shot down when you try to, like, well, you know, who have been some of the speedier backs you face? They have, they don't, I don't know if they don't know names or they just know numbers or they forget after the game's played. But Niles Morgan reminded me that all running backs are fast. So I said, okay, I'll take that. <laughs> Hines. If you're not, if you're not going to, if you're not going to, yeah, if you're not going to bite, then okay, we'll let that, we'll let it stand. Oh, man. Those are awesome interviews sometimes. Niles yeah, is a great interview when he's sitting and, <laughs> and people are yeah. around great him. Great interview post-game, great interview sitting and having yeah, a Yeah, but at the podium. Keep, no. Not playing to his strengths. No. Okay. Uh, interesting point by Julian Love on the motion, because that's the guy to talk to for everything, because Julian Love gives the best answers yeah. in the world. He said, you know, i got to tell you, we see motion. We've been watching motion since the spring, because Chip Long and Brian Kelly have... Different that's looks true. all the time for us to have to. That's adjust true, our but I don't know that. I, I agree, but it NC at least State helps motions a more yeah. than most. For totally whatever, agree. for whatever that's worth. I mean, and that's why I was asking the question that you don't. A defense can't react to every twitch the the, the opposition makes pre snap. So I was trying to get them to, you know, get into reads and. Keys and, question. But, you well, know, when that. Julian Love is a captain next year, he'll be fine. Don't worry. He all these things. Uh, predictions. O'Malley, you go first. This is the hardest score for me to come up with, I think, because the over-under is just shockingly high to me. 59. I guess these teams score points. Like, Notre Dame's 41 points a game. But these are two really good defenses, too. You wouldn't think it's a game that hits 60 points. Notre Dame hasn't given up more than 19 points or more than 20 points in a game. Yeah. I cannot go over. What I think 
I just think it'll be too close to the best of a football game in the yeah. second half. Um, it's getting drier, by the way. That was one thing I thought would really bring the score down. It is not supposed to rain anymore. It was supposed to be the ugliest day in the world. Now it's just 42 Stop. degrees. In the world? Really? In the world? In the world? Yeah, yeah, just like last year. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> in the history of the United States? So the question is, I had NC State winning this game before the USC game. And you know my theory has never changed from two weeks before because you're just being prisoner of the moment. Well, I'm a prisoner of the moment because I cannot pick against Notre Dame to lose this game. I don't care about the human nature aspect of it. I will just get it a little closer than I think, Tim, you're going to. I'm going to be in the kind of a weird 31-26 range where there's some get lot, quite a bit of grain pressure in the fourth quarter. Um, I feel like Notre Dame can, can hold them to some field goals. And I don't think anybody holds Notre Dame to too many field goals. No, I mean, well, NC State's, I think, red zone touchdown defense is quite good. Yes. I think they're 14th in the country. That's strength so. versus strength again. Yeah, um, so this probably is going to be more of a field goal game, which leads you back to the the over-under makes no sense. Um, I'm also I'm with you on the under. I'm also with you in that I picked Notre Dame to lose when the season started. That I felt pretty confident about it, that this was just the matchup wasn't great. The timing wasn't great. The, timing's the bye still week bad. wasn't great. Um, there was just... Every intangible point at NC State. And then Notre Dame started going out and murdering people. And you have to like, well, because there's been fatalities, I feel like I have to readjust my perception on this game. And so that leads me to Notre Dame winning. Um, I just, I, I can't pick against them right now, even though I think human nature and everything points to NC State being competitive and maybe upsetting Notre Dame on Saturday. So I'm going Notre Dame 27 21. They just get over the 20-point barrier for the first time. I do, I do think NC State provides some really interesting matchups. I, I think if you just like competitive, interesting football games, this is way more interesting than last week, which was like the big primetime rivalry, glitz, glam, all that stuff. This is more of just a steak than a sizzle type game. I think it's fun because Bradley Chubb is probably the best football player Notre Dame fans will watch their team go against this year. And Quentin Nelson is the best football player. Quentin Nelson is the best football player NC State fans will see. I don't care who they play. And then Mike McGlinchey and Josh Adams are high on that list too. So it's really just a, you got some, there's some talent out there for this one. I, you know, I've loved NC State's talent since the summer of 2016. Uh, yeah, right. no, you're right. Right, That's true. right. Because I do the first. I like right. that band before it was cool. I do that. I do the first right stuff, and it's like, my God, this team jumps off the page. I and last year's team is basically this year's team, similar to Notre Dame, um, which is probably why where they they both are where they are. But um, I too cannot pick against Notre Dame in this situation based upon what we've seen. I I may be a little bit more bold in in my prediction. Um, there's a couple things I, th- I think that we all need to be aware of. Number one, NC State's red zone offense has struggled at times, and I think they'll struggle in this game. And and then the other thing, and I think this is really key, Carson Wise, their kicker, is 6 of 11, and he's missed from 29, 38, 31, 35, and 34. Now, wh- whether that's all on him, because I did see a replay of a, a bungled hold, yeah, on a short start field. happening, man. They, you know, it was right. A well, we've seen, yeah. we've Holy seen how it goes the wrong way. Right, we've seen how bad it can be. So whether it's the kicker or their operation, I don't know. But they're six of eleven, and he's missed a bunch of chip shots. So if it comes down to a field goal game, and Justin Yoon hasn't been asked to do a whole lot since the Georgia game, he's only he's only attempted four since the Georgia game and made three. 
uh, but he is in his home stadium. And uh, so if it comes down to that, but I'm probably going to pick, I'm going to pick Nordane to reach 30. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to pick NC State to go beyond 21 points. Ooh. So there Definitive. you go. Definitive. That's a cover. Fo- a college football playoff statement ranking game from Tim <laughs> So Preacher. you have a cover, and we don't, is basically what it comes down to for this one. I, I and may, I have a little I weirdness may be getting going a little on. Bo- I may be getting a little full of Notre Dame here, but um, you know, at a certain point, you've got to <laughs> maybe, maybe – Stop being overly objective about everything and always looking for what can go wrong because that's what our job is to do. Uh, I give NC State a little bit of a bump for that week off because of actually something uh, Clay Helton said. We're going back the other way. He said Notre Dame did some things we hadn't prepared for, we hadn't seen, and Notre Dame admitted putting those in. NC State has put those things in. Notre Dame's healthier this week than they were last week. I mean, NC State has put some stuff in that Notre Dame hasn't seen that they're going to have to adjust to, and that just gives them... them a little bit. That's what Notre Dame did against USC. They both well, sides admitted it. That's true. Boy, I don't know how many more looks they can give offensively because <laughs> yeah. they give a bunch of looks. And then, yeah, I mean, look, I was sitting here saying that two weeks to prepare for USC was huge for Notre Dame, and it was. Let's see if Chip Long and Brian Kelly can come up with as thorough and a great game plan as they did last week, but they had two weeks preparation. All right, well, that's it for segment one, Irish Illustrated Insider. We'll be back with questions from our readers next. Irish Illustrated Insider is brought to you by Anderson, Augustino, and Keller, Attorneys at Law, with offices in South Bend, Indiana, serving the local community's legal needs with a diverse and innovative group of lawyers. Let their team be your edge on legal matters. Contact the lawyers at Anderson, Augustino, and Keller at 574-288-1510 or visit their webpage at aaklaw.com. Welcome back to Irish Illustrated Insider, segment two, questions from our readers. Uh, I've got a question from Twitter for you guys. It comes from at Pete Sampson underscore, and he wants to know, two years ago, Notre Dame was ranked in the top ten coming off a home win against USC. Which Irish team do you think is the better version, 2015 or 2017? You have to answer this question and tell me the percentage of the poll breakdown (laughs) on the 5,000 votes that have come in on this. Wow, nice one. 5,000 votes, I will say it's... 79% 79% saying the current team is better, and I agree with the masses because they have the go-to of the running game. They know who they are, and as we mentioned, I think, on Monday, we walked out of the Pittsburgh game, which is two weeks after that USC game referencing in 2015, and said, this is not a playoff defense where I don't feel that way anymore. So this team is better, and 79%. This team is, I mean, it's definitely better because it's a complete football team. You can count on both sides of the football, and you can count on the special teams at least up to this point, knock on wood, because Naheem Hines could take one. Um, you know, I mean, they've been solid. They haven't They haven't hurt them. Um, 79% is too <laughs> low because people forget about two years ago, and it's clear that this is a better football team, 84%. The answer is 89%. Holy it God. was a total butt-whooping uh, by the 2017 team, so I, I guess that... 2017 Notre Dame is in, has been installed as a 13-point favorite over uh, <laughs> the 2015 Notre Dame team. Uh, next up, John Cavanaugh wants to know, why did Notre Dame flip Nick Watkins and Julia Love boundary to field last weekend? There's, I mean, there's strategy involved. It's not something... They've been prepping this since August, according to Light and Love. Um, Love had been working at boundary for a long time because they thought they were going to have to manufacture some depth when Dante Vaughn hurt his neck. 
there's strategy involved when you do that because you know what? You look at the boundary, they're going after Nick Watkins. All of a sudden over there you have Julian Love matched up one-on-one. But it's really just creating depth, and that's why Troy Pride, I think Troy Pride was part of it. We might we may get to that in, in a future question here. Pride can only play field right now. Uh, Crawford is field and nickel, and then Watkins and Love can play both, and they are manufacturing four deep depth right now in corner out of it. It's And what did Love tell you about flipping sides? In terms of his ability to do so, or in terms of the strategy? The strategy. He didn't want to go into that, because their strategy okay. involved. I mean, I think, I, think it's, <laughs> I think it's clear that they want to be able to use Love and Crawford together. Oh, no, no, okay. So, Love would be boundary in Crawford's field when you're not in the nickel. So, that can be base. You can have Love and Crawford on the field together and okay. not have Watkins out there. Okay. All right, last Twitter question. It comes from 46WHME Sports. And he wants to know, this is the best Notre Dame offensive line since when? I like this question because I was immediately going to go back to the 93-92 range where they had great offensive lines. Um, remember, though, Jarius Jackson's first year in 98, they had Mike Rosenthal and Luke Pettigrew on the front line. They only gave up, I believe, nine sacks the entire year, and they had Autry Denson running for what ended up being 18 touchdowns. Pettigrew was a first-round draft choice. Yeah, and Rosenthal was a first-team All-American, second-round draft choice. So probably since then... Um, and then, if not, you go back to the uh, the, the ninety three range. Yeah, I I think I would lean more towards the the and you mentioned ninety two when that Aaron was, Taylor played guard, which is just like Quentin Nelson. That's his yeah. best position. Uh, but well, and again, you want to talk about a complete football team? I mean, that was a thr- that was a thrashing machine. I, I would I would I would say ninety two ninety three. The ninety two team. Everybody loves the ninety three team because they kind of got robbed of a chance to or a chance to the title. But if there was a fourteen playoff. The 1992 team would have won the national title as the fourth seed. They would have whipped up Miami like Alabama did and then had a classic game against Alabama. Well, that's interesting. Well, Let's go back. Those are uh, pre-me, but I would certainly say this is the best offensive line I've covered um, in 17 years on this beat. And you previously thought it was 15, right? I like the 15 yeah. line a lot. I mean, you had Stanley and McGlinchey attack. Those are those are great. Ta- that was really McGl- that was McGlinchey's best year, I think. I mean, it sounds, weird. it sounds weird to say that, but... I think that was his best Yeah, because well, he was on the right side, and that's a better um, position for him, which but, is where he'll play on the next level. Yeah, but you had a very young um, Quentin Nelson at that point. It's center. Really Nick good. Martin Nick Martin was great. Yeah, he was really um, good. But I, and then was it Elmer? Was, Elmer yes. was inside the guard. Yeah, Bars is... I, I'll take Bars and in right guard over Elmer in that year. Right that was a good line. Yeah, but, but as a run blocker, I thought Elmer in his last year really, really developed into a quality yeah. run blocker. Yeah, that was a good line. Tim? Coach CFT, what does ND try to take away first regarding NC State's offense? I, you know, the running game, Naheem Hines, I, I, I talked a little bit about, you know, it's not a powerful, potent, they have Reggie Gillespie that's a bigger back that I guess does more a little bit work between the tackles, but that's, you know, that's where it starts. And, you know, I, I mean, Ryan Finley's been, he's complete 70% of his passes. He's been playing quarterback in a, the lap of luxury up to this point. Uh, you put him in some, you know, some third and 12 type situations, and I'm not sure that they're going to be nearly as, so who is, Nobody's not right. nearly, nearly as effective. But starts with a running game. Uh, Hines is a, is a breakaway guy. I don't think that he's going to get nearly as many opportunities in space as he has in, in recent weeks. Um, slow him down. 
hit Finley. Did I mention earlier I want him to hit Finley? Yeah, I that's, did. That's hit Finley again. Yeah, hit Finley again. And uh, but no, it starts with a running game certainly. Yeah, Naheem Hines. I think if you could bottle him up, even if you got to put extra man in there, then that's that's the way to go. Dip 98, Troy Pride and Micah Dutrudway both got early playing time versus USC. Your thoughts on why they played, how they played, and how much of them we'll see moving forward. Troy Pride, um, I'm not really sure why he got in as early as he did. Uh, the, I think it was the second, yeah, it was the first series with one play. So it was this, in the second series, it looked like he jammed something up. Watkins, you mean? You walk, yeah. I'm sorry, yeah, Watkins jammed something up and then subbed out and Pride came in. And then they just sort of kept rolling with yeah. Pride. And I don't... I don't really know why. I'm not even sure they he even got thrown at in the game. He got uh, there was a. I know he came up talking on an incompletion. Okay, so that he was at some point thrown at. I talked to Love about Pride okay. yesterday because I asked that same question, and he said, you know, Troy's an energy guy. He gets everybody. We know how much talent he has, and he kind of started talking about, you know, look, it's not. We're not just trying a guy out. He started three games last year, right? And he's. I think Troy Pride needed to get stronger. That's what Todd Light said in the spring, and. Look, he's going to have to beat out. He's a field corner only, and Notre Dame starts Julian Love at field with Sean Crawford as a backup. <laughs> so not getting Troy Pride out there is not really Troy Pride's fault. He must be coming on a little bit, and I think we'll ask Kelly about that. I I believe I've commented on Troy Pride's uh, performance in the second half when he had been playing prior to USC uh, a couple times in, in Tail of the Tape. He's been aggressive. He's been physical. He's taken advantage of opportunities when he's been on the field, kind of like... Um, uh, Jonathan Jones did late in the USC game, um, you know, and so he jumped out as me as a guy that uh, was really taking advantage of his opportunities, and he's probably doing the same thing on the practice field. As for Duke Treadway, I think there's probably some mispractice time by MTV, and he took advantage of it. I, I would agree with that. MTA did get in. MTA, it's MTV. Yeah, M- <laughs> MTA. Uh, MTA did get in the game. I, I wasn't totally aware of that during the game, but saw that he was yeah. in, in in reviewing the game. But yeah, I, it's just another great example by even in a big game. I know they had a little bit of a cushion certainly by halftime, but even in a big game, Mike Elko is working on his depth. Yeah, I thought that uh, Duke Treadway has been okay. I mean, it's I, I think that my concern with some of these young or inexperienced defensive tackles is that you were going to be stealing snaps. Like when you put a basketball player in who clearly can't shoot and they don't guard them, like they would just run over that guy. That's not happening. You know, Heinish has been good. Heinish has yeah, I did want to, yes, Heinish absolutely had his best game. His most productive game where he got off blocks and made plays was against USC. Yeah, good timing. Good timing, good opponent, good off, I mean, decent offensive line to do that against. Statman72, Notre Dame has been winning with exceptional rushing performances and at best average passing performances. Would it be better to continue that trend against North Carolina State or have the passing game lead us to a win despite an only a so-so run? I want game? you to comment first. I mean, I'm all for the running game running over <laughs> NC State. So there it is. I am always for it. I know what the question means is you can't necessarily just line up and move them out of the way, but if you just mix in enough passing like they did against USC... You can if you're that good at it and you're that committed to it. Keep running the ball. It's, if they can, if they can get 290 yards rushing against NC State and three rushing scores, Wimbush will have plenty for them in the passing game, and that'll be enough. They're not going to get 290, but I believe I said they weren't going to get 300 That's last why I didn't week say against 300. USC. I was trying yeah, to make it yeah. Reasonable. Uh, oh, I'm all for. Look, if you can physically dominate <laughs> NC State with the ground game. I'm all for it. Keep working on the passing game. Make advancements, which I thought they made huge ones with Wimbush 
last week, maybe in some subtle ways, not statistically. Brandon Wimbush, at the end of the half, when Notre Dame had to punt, threw a almost perfect pass to Alizé Mack, which was 40 more yards. He probably would not have scored. And then put the ball right in Equinemius State Brown's breadbasket to keep the drive alive, but he dropped it. Those were two back-to-back passes made by a quarterback that everybody knew was throwing, and it just didn't work out because they didn't help him out. But he wouldn't have made those most games. It's He's coming no, along. Good throws. Those were good throws. I mean, there's you can see progress here and there that, that's happening. It was it was. I talked to Wimbush yesterday because I want to ask about the two minute drill, and then my recorder broke, so I lost all the quotes. But he said that because Brian Kelly said last week on Wednesday, or he or he said it on Thursday, but he was talking about Wednesday that that was the first time that Wimbush had run a successful two minute drill all year, right. which I thought was really weird and just a bit alarming. Then when we talked to Wimbush yesterday, he said that this Wednesday, not only did the offense run one successful two-minute drill, they won the period overall, and that was the first time that had happened. So clearly something is happening during the week that things are getting better, and the, the you know blips that you saw against USC of the pass to Mac, where Mac gets held a little bit on the route, so if that doesn't happen, that ball is a, that is a dime. And the pass to St. Brown, where St. Brown told me he was trying to reach for the first down, which they didn't need, and the guy raked it. Um, BK was going to go for it on fourth down there anyway, if it was fourth and one. So something, some good things are happening with Wimbush. I, I still don't think he's ever going to be a 67% passer, but I think that's okay. But, man, he, well, he doesn't need to be. Not, right. not, not, you know, not with what he can do with his legs, but... I also talked to Brandon Wimbush and 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 did Bill, you did your recorder work? It did. Okay. The story could work then. Yes, yeah. it's already out. No, it isn't. It's yeah. not up yet. But my Thursday thoughts, and it I, it was a story that you had or story. It was a question that you had asked Pete of Kelly on Tuesday when Kelly talked about just Wimbush being more decisive and trusting more. And I think it was your question. I gave, yeah. I gave you credit thanks, for it in the thanks, story. Thanks yeah. for writing it. because yep. I don't have the quotes. Okay, um, and. You know, I always talk about body language and how a guy carries himself on the field. And, and there were times, numerous times in the first half of the season where everything about Wimbush was slow. The decision was slow. The throwing motion was slow because to me that's a guy saying, as he's throwing, he's thinking, I hope I get it there. I hope this is the right throw. And I didn't see that in, in, in the USC game. And so I built upon that. And I think that, you know, I think we can look back at the USC game hopefully as a as a demarcation for Wimbush in terms of being decisive and trusting what he sees. The back throw to Stefferson, the back shoulder throw to Stefferson was perfect because it was so decisive. Yeah, and that was, yeah, the question was basically throwing to spots or throwing to guys or throwing to men. You have to see the guy open to throw him the ball. Um, And he was a a little bit late throwing to St. Brown, but uh, not too late. He told me, or he told all of us, I guess was on the podium, that Mac was the... uh, Intended receiver on that original. Or he was the number one option was Mac, and he was just covered on that corner route. He was really covered on that corner. Route. Oh. So I guess he was a little late coming off well, because of that. Well, then yeah. again, that shows decisiveness, yeah. right? And it goes back to I don't know if we talked about the podcast. There was a play from Miami, Ohio, where Nick Wisher oh, is yeah. is going to run open. It's clear where the space is going to be, and when Bush waits and he waits and he waits and he waits, <laughs> and then he throws it. The pass gets broken up. Now I think in that same situation, that's a touchdown. Yeah, um, and that's a big development. That was his worst game. I assume that was his worst week of preparation because they were playing Miami of Ohio. And, and I'll go back a broken to, foot. And I'll go back to Pete Sampson's uh, theory on quarterbacks: the arc does not go straight up. 
it's there's movement in their improvement, and let's hope it just plateaus this week from last week because that'll be plenty. Arcs never go straight up there. That's true. You know what he meant. (laughs) (laughs) All right, our last question. Irish in RVA. A genie pops out of a bottle and tells you that you can fix one thing about how Notre Dame's football team plays. Which area would you choose and why? They create another Quentin Nelson? Or is that not possible with this genie? You know what I would do is... um, Two years ago, I used to kind of watch every kickoff return by Notre Dame, wondering if C.J. Sanders was going to break it. And now I don't at all because they don't block that well and he's not that aggressive. So realistically speaking, I would have Notre Dame be a threat in the kick return game because I think they can be. I mean, I'd love to see them have the kickoff coverage of Ohio State in the Fiesta Bowl a couple of years ago, but it's not going to happen. I think Notre Dame can improve its kick return. Because Urban Meyer's not coaching Notre Dame special Because they have C.J. Sanders who... Can do it, obviously. He's done, he did it against Stanford. It's not like his returns all came against UMass. And I think they could block a little bit better for him, and that would actually even make them more difficult. I, I agree with that. What I say on Monday, uh, like I think somebody asked us to list three things they want to improve, man. My third one was kickoff depth. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so Notre Dame has yeah. made huge strides in becoming a complete there, football I, team. I have a barrel. Is there anything you'd like to do to it? <laughs> Scrape that bottom. Yeah, exactly. I, I got very... Nothing that you guys haven't already covered. I mean, if we could have an 11.30 a.m. kickoff, that'd be great. Oh. <laughs> I mean, does that count? Or like a shorter post game? You know, BK gets in there faster. Stuff's going pretty well, so I'm not going to not gonna complain or say that. But, yeah, special teams could be more of a weapon, but that's... Yeah, but if it's, 11, if it's 11.30 kickoff, we're, like, leaving for the stadium at 7.45. That's okay. It's fine. I'm up at 6. Yeah, we have kids yeah. jumping on us. Oh. We're ready to roll, Tim. Just, just, I remember that. We can that. send them to your house if I you remember want. that. It's a great alarm clock when someone steps on your face. <laughs> you know what's really convenient is having people in all the time for these games, alumni, friends, and stuff like that, and then they wake up at 6 because they got a lot of sleep. Yeah, that's great. No more night games. All right, well, that's it for this week's Irish Illustrated Insider Podcast. We'll be back Monday with our next pod. Of course, we'll be there Saturday. Pre-game instant analysis, post-game instant analysis, and all sorts of good stuff on irishillustrated.com. So until next week, I'm Tim Priester. He's Tim. I'm Peter You're Sanchez. not Tim Priester. You wouldn't. I wouldn't wish yeah, that. I'm I'm I wouldn't saying, run this whole thing I wouldn't back. wish that okay. upon anyone. <laughs> Pete Sampson, Tim Priester, Tim O'Malley, some combination of those three people. Thanks for listening.